You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at Home and Abroad and the Vancouver Irish Film Festival gets underway running December uh, 7, 8 and 9 and this is the inaugural festival and one of the movies that is scheduled to screen on the 9th of December at 6pm is Puck the Puck of the Irish and uh, it was previously screened in Toronto and uh, has done very well and it uh, it was an extraordinary year 2018 for Irish hockey with the women's hockey team narrowly losing to the Netherlands in the World Cup final with players drawn from all over the island north and south the team did Ireland proud returning home to Dublin where the government minister Shane Ross announced that their success meant that a further 1.5 million euros that's uh, about 2.2 and a quarter million dollars uh, would be invested in sport and 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 uh, it is in that spirit that uh, Eamon O'Hulan's documentary Puck of Puck the Irish was made and it features uh, retired chair sportsman Gerlach Nan who uh, led his country county to two All-Ireland victories in hurling as manager of the team and the ancient Irish sport of hurling shares much with Canada's national pastime uh, hockey and we've always maintained, you know, the Irish brought everything everywhere and they probably created hockey as they did baseball and as they did Halloween and everything else. And it does similarities which the film exams. So, Gerlach uh, Nanny travels to Windsor, Nova Scotia, uh, tracking the links between the two sports and how Irish immigrants to Canada were able to transcend their poverty through athleticism, particularly in hockey, which, as Gerlach Nan notes, uh, needs passion, skill and stick work. Well, the Puck of the Irish is produced by Samuel Kingston and I have Samuel here with me. Samuel, thanks a million for coming on and having a chat about the movie. Oh, it's a pleasure, Austin. It's, it's, great, to be, it's, it's great to be here. Now, um, you know, I, I give you the, the, an intro there that kind of tells the background to it, but um, tell me your story about this. Because, uh, what brought, yeah, what yeah. Got, what got you involved there, like the, we do have a tendency to to bring everything with us, but when we do move abroad, like so, like I've always been interested in, in ice hockey. Like, like as a young lad growing up, I used to love like the, the PlayStation games. Really, was actually got me into ice hockey. And then I started reading like in the early days of Wikipedia, I like, started noticing that there was like Irish teams won the Stanley Cup. You know, like the, the Montreal Shamrocks and Toronto St. Patrick's. And I was like looking at these teams, going, "What the hell is that about?" Like, you know, I was like, "Like, who are these teams that won the Stanley Cup back in 1992?" And, uh, and that kind of started the journey for me, I suppose. And then I got to with Eamon, and then Eamon was like going, I have family in Canada, and uh, I've been thinking about the same thing myself. And uh, so, 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 so that kind of got the, the journey going for both of us then. And uh, I suppose we started looking at the, uh, like, at, at links between hurling and, and the hockey, and like as far as we can see, and, and what the guys in Windsor, Nova Scotia would agree with us as well, is that hurling was the father of ice hockey. So uh, we, we went over there with Jur, and... So Jer was a little bit apprehensive at the start, all right. Like you know, he was like going, you know, a bit, you know, not another one of these stories. Like you know, but then once he started hearing the stories, he kind of came on board and started believing the stories as well himself. Like so, um, yeah, the guys in Windsor really opened them up to what 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 like what happened. So like hurling, as you, as you know now, like is is kind of an air-based game. But back in the 1700s and 1800s, it was more of a ground game. So what happened is like you know, so, so so like the game today is nothing like the game back in the 1800s 1800s like like you would not recognize the game at all at all like you know so what happened is that the, when the Irish went to Nova Scotia which a lot of guys did they obviously brought hurlies with them 
and the, the, the school in, in, in King's College there in, in Windsor. There's a lot of Irish guys there. There's, the, the principal of the school was a guy from Oma, William Cochran. And, uh, but they had nowhere to read the play uh, because there was all forest in Nova Scotia at the time. So what happened is that they, like the other place where they could play was on the ice. So they brought their sticks onto the ice and kind of uh, slowly evolved into a kind of a ground hurling on the ice game. And, and, and like, so it became known as ice hurling. And then over time, that evolved into ice hockey. And then so what happens then is that it moves into the big cities. And then by 1875, you got like indoor ice hockey in Montreal. And then like the Montreal Irish pick it up then. And Montreal Shamrocks win the Stanley Cup in 1900. And like, like Montreal at that stage was a massively Irish town. Like Griffin, the, the, the Griffin town, Point St. Charles, like two areas of Montreal where, where there's a massive population of Irish. And then, like, the, the Irish were involved in building the, the, the canals, the, the bridges there, like the Victoria Bridge. When they were building that, they actually found the bodies of 5,000 Irish underneath the bridge. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, like, the, with the Montreal Sharmocks, they won the Stanley Cup in 1900, 1901 as well. And that kind of, it, it kind of set up a gateway for the Irish to kind of move up, the, like, the social ladder. And then... Yeah, like the, that was the kind of starting point of it. Like, like the Irish kind of used hockey then to kind of integrate into Canadian society. And in Montreal as well, it was actually the Irish who brought the French into ice hockey as well, which is obviously a massive thing. So, like, like the, the French didn't really play ice hockey at that time. It was like the hockey was the kind of posh English game, I suppose. Right. Where, whereas lacrosse was kind of more the kind of working class game. But, like, the, the Irish kind of adapted into hockey because they, could see, because they saw it as a way of, of integrating into Canadian society. So, yeah, so, from so, Montreal then it kind of moved across. But Samuel, um, in, in the early days, the hurling stick looked yeah. very, very like the hockey stick. Like because sorry, yeah, of course, of course, yeah. That, that's another thing we actually pick up in the documentary. We we have a guy in Nova Scotia, David Carter, who actually makes reference to that as well. Like where, like like the old, like again, like the hurling stick today. When you look at it, you'd be thinking that that couldn't have been a hockey stick. But the old hurling sticks were long, kind of thin shafts. So like very much more in the shape of the, the hockey sticks that you'd see now, like like, like the early wooden hockey sticks and the, the hurling sticks of the 1800s could which, have been very similar in, in, in looks like. Which would con- be consistent with, as you say, that uh, hockey uh, or so hurling at that time was ground-based rather than hand-based because with those sticks exactly. you, you wouldn't be able to yeah, bring exactly. it up. You couldn't, sol- you couldn't do a solo run. No, no, you couldn't. You couldn't. And as as we as we point out in the documentary as well, like it was more a northern game that the hockey was based on. Like the guys that came into Nova Scotia were more actually Ulster Scots and uh, and Protestant Irish, and it was actually them who created the kind of hurling hockey link. So which is kind of a, a thing that people wouldn't actually realise, you know, because everyone assumed that hurling would be Irish Catholic, but like like hurling at that stage was still was still very popular with the Irish Protestant community as well, like so. Um, but yeah, the sticks were definitely like more along the line, and uh, as David points out in the documentary as well, like the, the like the actual puck itself uh, evolved into over time in, in Canada to 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 become the, the actual instrument that you hear. So um, yeah, like like the, the hurling links are are, are are certainly very strong there as well. Like, so when you say back in the early days of hurling, it was ground based. I hadn't realised that. Um, in doing research and what. I know we all know about Cuchulain and I'm picking up a hurley and taking care of our um, Satanta, wasn't it? Um, yeah, but, yeah. But, you know, in the pictures we see of him, of, of that, he is a modern hurl. He was 
Oh, that's uh, but that, that happens. But that happens with, with kind of the way that we do things. Like you know, like like if you look at pictures of St. Patrick. You see him wearing this kind of fancy green cloak all the time. Yeah. And so if you look at St. Patrick, like like there's not a hope in hell that St. Patrick ever wore a fancy green coat. Like you know. Yeah. So it's it's just it's just the way that things kind of evolve over time. That like people wouldn't know that the hurry stick would have been different back then. So they would draw what they understand to, to be a hurry stick now. Like you know, and just assume that it's a hurry stick back then as well. Like but. Uh, so, 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 but like the, if, if there are old photographs, all right, um, and and and, and again, our, our guy David Carter, who has to start with the documentary, he has uh, he, he, he has proven that as well. Like, like he's he's come across examples of old early sticks as well that would would have the long shaft. Like, so. So um, then, with the evolution of the game, Samuel, when early on, then on the Irish side, when it was the old hurling stick, and it was land based. What size was the team? Was it still fifteen? And as that evolved, oh no, no, like like when the GA started, hurling teams and and Gaelic football teams were twenty one aside. So like uh, like the first couple of All Irelands, I think up to I could be wrong in this now, but up until nineteen oh five, possibly I think it was was with first fifteen aside hurling finals, I think. Right. So like up until that stage, I think there were twenty one aside finals, and then it was reduced to seventeen at some stage, and then a fifteen I think came in around nineteen oh five. So like the there was even side posts in, in hurling at one stage, like you know, like Aussie rules. I don't, I don't know what Aussie, what Aussie rules now, but you know the way that they have their kind of side points or side uh, goals uh, for for single points. There, like Gaelic uh, football actually had those as well, and hurling had those as well. And then over time, it they they brought in the goals in. So so like like hurling and football have both changed in, like immensely since like the, like even the founding of the of GA in eighteen eighty four as well. Like you know, right. Um, so moving along then, after Montreal, as you said, started to spread at that stage and uh, arrived in here in Ottawa, somewhere between yeah. 1903 and 1906. Well, that was when they won four Stanley Cups back at that time. Yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, like, like the main guy in that team was actually an Irish, or, or, or sorry, like a Irish Canadian, Frank McGee, and like his uncle was actually Thomas Darcy McGee, like who was uh, a father of Confederation over there, like so. Uh, so like Frank was very much uh, like uh, he's, he's from a well-to-do family, I suppose. But the, the funny thing about Frank is that he only had one eye, and then he still played away hockey away. No bother to him, like. So and, he, uh, but but he was uh, he, so he was unreal though, like. So he was a Sullivan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, Sullivan. All right. Uh, <laughs> but like the, he's a record. I think he scored like 14 goals in one game, like you know. So like like in a Stanley Cup final. So like like it's that kind of record is never going to be broken again, like yeah. 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 So, but he, he was just unreal. But uh, unfortunately, with Frank's story, it, it was a very sad story because uh, he felt he had to do a bit for Canada in the Great War, and uh, he actually was killed. Uh, and he could have actually avoided being in the trenches, like you know. But um, he, he he felt he needed to do his bit, and uh, he went off and in, in, back up to the trenches, and uh, he was unfortunately killed. Then, like so, so yeah, it was a very like, it was a very tragic story for him. So Samuel, in the putting together of the documentary and then talking to people and researching, etc., were there any was there anything that cropped up or that you found that you hadn't expected or that totally surprised you? Well, I suppose it's just a big the actual actual impact actually was. I suppose like you know, it's like a, I thought there might be some like a fairly good level, but like it's actually very very strong. Like you know, like. Even out, even in Vancouver, which we didn't, we don't actually cover in the documentary. So the Patrick family went out there and, and, and created hockey leagues and arenas and the uh, and like it's just the whole across Canada, like the like um, even even in French Canada as well. Like you know, the, 
there was very strong links, and even links to America then as well. Like the the Irish impact is just uh, it actually astounded me how like how good the actual Irish impact actually was. Like I thought I thought it would be strong, but like I didn't expect it to be that strong. Like you know, right. So um, yeah, yeah. So then, since the movie has hit the screens and um, been seen, what type of reaction have you had on either side of the Atlantic? Ah, yeah, like it's been a very positive reaction. Like like everyone. Like uh, I, I, suppose I have to admit, I thought there might be some bit of kickback from Canadians with the hurling aspect of it. Like you know, saying that hurling, hurling was the father of ice hockey, but there hasn't really been. Like you know, like everyone, uh, it's been very positive. But I suppose most of the people that we talk to are, are, are actually Irish Canadians, so so wants an Irish connection to ice hockey, I suppose as well. Like so, but like like the reaction both here and and, and in Canada has been very positive. Like it's. Uh, and on the Irish side particularly, was there any kind of, oh, uh, we didn't realise that this wonderful sport out there or that uh, it had that much of an influence? Yeah, no, I know, that's very true as well. Like, you know, it was picked up in some media outlets, all right. Like, uh, there's a website, Boss.ie, by an article that actually made the top 10 films of, their, of the year for them, like, 20, in 2017, 2016, when the film came out. And, like, they were just taken by surprise about like the Irish things there, and then the the, the Irish examiner as well, where helped us out as well, like you know. So and yeah, I know that there was certainly a bit of surprise, all right, with with the, with the Irish things too, hockey. As I was saying earlier as well, like you know, there is always a little bit of uh, not another thing the Irish were involved with, but like I think once people actually saw the documentary and saw that the links were actually real, that they they came around to the idea, right, that the, the, the hurling and, and hockey are linked. Like, even the GAA, in fairness, actually, the GAA has been very strong in this and with, with, uh, supporting us as well. Like, we actually showed the documentary in Crow Park with, with Project Dusty, uh, who is now gone, like, uh, but, um, yeah, like, like the GAA were, were very supportive of, of, of the documentary as well, so, like, um, yeah, no, it, it's been very well over here as well. Now, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, Tosh uh, Gaelga, it is, but I have very poor Irish myself. Eamon's <laughs> the guy for the Irish. Right. <laughs> um, but so it, com- I, it comes with subtitles. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, it, it has subtitles, all right. Yeah, so, like, like the, obviously, the, the, our Canadian participants uh, would be mostly in English. We, we did find a couple of people that are, li- well, but one guy is actually a Canadian, but he, he studied Irish uh, at the Arrows. So he's actually in Ottawa. Um, yeah, in And then there's a couple of... Uh, Exactly, exactly. He's a lovely man. He's, he's, a, he's a very good man. Like he, he, he came on and helped us. Uh, so he, he did a few words, actually on Frank McGee, actually. Okay. And then we, we had a couple of people like just in different places, just speaking a few words of Irish, and then obviously Gerard would have the Irish, and then but most most of it would either like like we have subtitles, and then most of it would be kind of in, in English anyway, like you know, so because it's Canadian participants talking, like so. Right. Right. Well, uh, Samuel, I'm delighted you were able to t- make time available so we could have a chat. And, uh, and and unfortunately, I didn't get to see it when I was here in, um, in Ontario the last time. I think it was down Toronto, and I didn't get to it. And I know I will get to it at some stage. But anyone that does want to, it's at uh, Sunday the 9th of December, and that is at 6 p.m. And it's at the Van City Theatre, which is... Um, I can give you the uh, address if you want to get to it, and uh, Vancouver, and that is at 4375 West 10th Avenue, Vancouver, uh, where the Vancouver Irish Film Festival will be taking place, and that is on the 7th, 8th, and 9th of December. And 
the website there uh, for the Vancouver. If you do a search on Google, you'll find them, and they have their full program up for the weekend. It's a fantastic uh, program. And again, uh, this particular movie, The Puck of the Irish, and that is 6 p.m. on Sunday evening. And we've been chatting with Samuel Kingston, Sa- uh, the producer. Samuel, as I said, thanks a million for taking the time. No bother, Austin. It's a pleasure to talk to you.